Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York Airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome back into another FizzCast. Jaron May here with Ian Unsworth this time, and we are breaking down numbers 40 to 31 on our SU Top 100 list. Wow, Ian, we are flying through this list already, man. We've gotten through a lot of Syracuse legends in two weeks, that's for sure. Yeah. A lot. All right. So, but today we're going 40 to 31. Uh, if you want to go read up about all of these players, go out to our website, orangefizz.net. Follow us on Twitter at orangefizz and find all of our previous and future fizz casts and, of course, our fizz radio on our SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz. Now that we have all of that out of the way, let's start at number 40. And it goes to a basketball player not too far ago, not too long ago. And it goes to Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn comes in at number 40 on our SU Top 100 list he's a former mcdonald mcdonald's all-american he was a sixth overall draft pick by the minnesota timberwolves and he had a pretty good uh, pretty darn good uh, syracuse career now if i had to choose i don't think i would put him as high as 40 however i would like to hear your argument whether you think that he should be higher lower or if he's just right well he was part of that six overtime game and i mean that just holds such a lore in Syracuse history that, I mean, it's maybe he's up yeah. here for that reason. That That's certainly a, I mean, but also just watching his highlights, he looks, he looks so good. He looks like a guard that is a game changer, and he certainly was a game changer. I mean, he scored the most points ever for a freshman in Syracuse history, a 28 ball in his first game ever, and then matched that later in his freshman well. year. Uh, Carmelo had 27 in his first game. Just want to toss that out there. <laughs> yeah, but he, he eclipsed that mark. He eclipsed that mark. And, right. I mean, he just... I th- I'm going to say this about another guy in this list later, but Flynn, he seems so confident out there on the court, whether he was chucking it from three or just getting in the passing lanes and driving for dunks. Like, I, I never doubted Johnny Flynn on the basketball court. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. He was kind of just a winner. Uh, The Syracuse teams that he was a part of were always up there in the rankings, and that's something that a lot of other recent players can't really hang their hat on. Um, But maybe I just have prejudice against Johnny Flynn. I just don't think that as an individual player, he is worthy of the 40 spot. Now, he was an amazing talent, and the, the the thing about Johnny Flynn is that he was just a freak athlete, like so fast, so quick, just an awesome athlete, but there are a lot of SU greats when it comes to men's basketball, and when you are starting to get down this SU top 100 list, and there's only going to be a handful of other basketball players on this list, I just, I question if Johnny Flynn deserves uh, number 40. I think he's top 50. But if you if you dropped him back to maybe forty five or fifty that range, I would be okay with that as well. And I I agree with you, Jaron. Certainly in terms of skill, just as a basketball player, Flynn didn't have the dribble moves to break everybody down. But he certainly made his mark in other areas on the floor. But I could I can see where your bias comes in, and as well I think there's this you know national perception of Johnny Flynn where. He's the guy that the Timberwolves took over Steph Curry. So yeah, there's and he always, fizzled out. Exactly. He did fizzle out. He 
played a decent amount, especially uh, overseas, but, you know, he just he just never really turned up in the NBA, and that did not help, especially when a guy picked after him is the greatest three-point shooter right. in the history of basketball. Right, right. Makes a good point. Makes a good point. Uh, Ian, what do we have at 39? So at 39, we actually have an offensive lineman. Oh, Jared, yeah. And we've, we've <laughs> featured a couple of these throughout our Fizz Top 100, but this guy's pretty recent, and it is Justin Pugh. Uh, Syracuse left tackle for quarterback Ryan Nassib, and then also a New York Giant as well, but he certainly racked up the accolades in three season in an orange uniform. 2010 Big East second team, 2011 All Big East first team, and 2012 All Big East first team, and an ECAC Division All-Star, and Justin Pugh just played with a nasty streak, Jaron, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, so Justin Pugh, and it's obviously difficult to grade uh, offensive linemen because, and I've said this before, especially on our most recent Fizz Radio that you can find on our SoundCloud, uh, but it's just difficult to rank offensive linemen. And I'm going to say the same exact thing with the person that comes in at 38 uh, because they don't have the stats and they don't have the highlight plays and they don't have all of those accolades that some, that a running back or a quarterback or a cornerback uh, could have. So it's a little difficult to evaluate them. However, if you are going to give the nod to one, two, or three uh, former Syracuse offensive linemen, Justin Pugh has to be in that conversation. And that's why I think at 39, he's a good ranking. The thing with Justin Pugh, and just because offensive linemen don't have stats, you can look at one other thing, one other thing, and that's what the running backs did behind him, what the quarterback did behind him. Ryan Nassib got knocked down to the ground in, uh, he was top five. 25 his senior year aka for for the least amount of sacks so Justin Pugh was on an offensive line that gave up a top 25 fewest amount of sacks in the entire FBS plus the three years that Justin Pugh started he didn't start his freshman year but his sophomore junior and senior year he had three different 1,000 yard rushers so that doesn't tell you that there was just one really good running back that uh, took advantage of having Pugh in front of him that tells you that there were three individual players, running backs, that were solid, but they were they elevated their game because they had a big man like Justin Pugh in front of them. Absolutely. And Ryan Nassib was one of the most prolific quarterbacks in yeah. the country playing his last couple of years at Syracuse. So Pugh in the offensive line certainly had something to do with it. But yeah, watching his highlights, just the way that he blocks, there is no regard for any defenders. He is going full throttle 24-7, and I think that's what made him such a good pro player as well. He's still playing with the Cardinals, but you know, pro scouts recognize that nasty streak, and they always wanted in the offensive lineman. So that's one offensive lineman coming in at 39 is Justin Pugh, but at 38 is another offensive lineman. And if you want to consider uh, the professional career when you take into account these grades and these rankings, then number 38, Jim Ringo, should be at the top of your list because he had an absolutely fantastic fantastic professional career he played under Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers he was with the Philadelphia Eagles where he won two NFL championships uh, he was also a seven-time first team all-pro a 10-time pro bowler and is a member of the football hall of fame I mean as a, as a professional player I don't really know what else you could accomplish as an offensive line than what Jim Ringo did and then at Syracuse he was also a very solid player and you, you don't you don't become as good in the NFL if you're not great in college so 
I mean, 38, Jim Ringo, would you put him above Justin Pugh or not? That's up for debate. Um, I personally would, but I think that one spot difference is good because they're they're pretty comparable. Absolutely. I agree with you, Jared, that ranking offensive linemen is really hard, especially yeah. someone that played really in you know the early days of the modernization of football. But the accolades certainly... That's, that's the reason that I'm comfortable with Jim Ringo at 38. The accolades, especially in the professional realm of football, like, it's crazy. 126 consecutive games played for Vince Lombardi's Packers. And the sweep, as as if you've watched any old-time football, the Packers sweep is a famous play, one that mm-hmm. made Green Blay what it, what it was. And Jim Ringo was known for making that the cut uh, the chop blocks on the on that sweep play getting across the face of a defensive lineman uh many other packers linemen have lauded Jim Ringo for making that block it's and it's just something back then learning how to do that and just adjusting yourself to that scheme is extremely important when pretty much all they did was run and pound the ball on the ground and yeah. the consecutive games is huge for me and also just the multiple pro accolades, but you're right, Jared. Jim Ringo did have a pretty nice Syracuse career as well. I mean, I I don't think that he had as great of an SU career as Justin Pugh. Oh, absolutely. Um, and not. again, again, when I when I do offensive linemen, like when you rank them, how do you evaluate them? You evaluate the rushers behind them and the quarterback behind them. So when Ringo was in at at Syracuse. He didn't have a thousand-yard rusher behind him in any three seasons that he started. However, he had some pretty good backs behind him. Also, he kept his quarterback upright. The thing that gives Jim Ringo the nod, at least for me, and then we'll move off of these offensive linemen, is like we've been talking about, just how great that uh, that that professional career that he had after SU. Absolutely. And so, moving on back to basketball, we go and. Honestly, I think a Syracuse fan favorite here, slotting in at number 37, Hakeem Warwick. Where would Syracuse basketball be without Hakeem Warwick? I mean, it would be difficult. And because, granted, if if you're a Syracuse fan, you know what we're talking about. If you're new to the program, Hakeem Warwick had the most impressive and important defensive play in Syracuse men's basketball history when he got out to the corner and blocked that shot in the 2003 national championship. So he has the single most uh, notable play for a Syracuse basketball player. However, what, how do you weight that one specific play? Because it was very important. I'm not taking anything away from that. However, like you got to take into account his entire resume and that in that play and that's why I think 37 is a good spot for him and it would just be a little difficult uh, to put him above some of the other people that we're going to see a little up this list because because I just think a lot of people it's kind of like a recency bias however it's more of a blocked uh, 2003 national championship block bias absolutely his stats are certainly impressive he was named yeah. the biggest he, he was a great player, player during that season scored 14 points and then after Mello left he pretty much became the Syracuse scorer. He scored 19 a game in his junior year, 21 a game in his senior year, along with mm-hmm. almost nine rebounds, a Big East Conference Player of the Year. And, uh, Jaron, honestly, the thing I'm always going to remember Hakeem Warwick for are his dunks. That dude yeah. could slam the ball. The Royal, I'm, I'm always going to remember that Royal Ivy dunk in the uh, national semifinal, I believe it was, where he just absolutely 
Yam, Royal Ivy, 6'3". No small feet, and Warwick had his uh, his midsection in Royal Ivy's face. It just an yeah. absolute, absolute <laughs> Way to keep poster. That yeah, absolute poster of a dunk from Hakeem Warwick, and that was that was the reason I love watching him play. Even in the NBA, that dude was a rim runner extraordinaire, and he loved to slam the ball. Yeah, I mean, he was long. He uh, he comes in at 6'9", uh, so you're tall, you're lanky, you're athletic. You're going to be able to throw the ball down. So uh, at 37 is Hakeem Warwick. At 36 is Billy Owens, another basketball player. And this one, this guy has his name hanging in the rafters of the Carrier Dome. Uh, I mean, he really did a lot. He was six foot eight, and he was a forward. However, he could step outside and shoot. He could go down low and grab a rebound. He could body you in the in the uh, post, and he was he has all of the accolades and stats to back him up. So again, with all of these amazing men's basketball players, it's so difficult to nitpick who should be above who and who should be below who. But Billy Owens at 36, again, I maybe I'm just taking the easy way out this Fizzcast, uh, but it seems like a solid ranking for him. I completely agree. There's no reason why Owens should be, and it maybe give him a couple spots more, like either way, but same thing with Hakeem Work. I, if Hakeem works at 34, I don't really have much of a problem with it. Yeah. And Owens, just like Warwick, after like other players left, such as Derek Coleman, Sherman Douglas, Owens stepped up. He was the first player to average 20-plus points under Jim Beheim, and he led a Syracuse team pretty much individually to a 26-4 and record, a Big East title, no small feats, Unfortunately, Syracuse didn't do well, you know, in the postseason. They lost to Nova in the first round of the conference tournament and Richmond in the first round of March Madness. But nevertheless, Billy Owens, someone who I really respect because he played well, kind of in a in a as in a role working along with Sherman Douglas, yeah. Derek Coleman, Stephen uh, Stephen Thompson, but then also was a great individual player as well. All right, so Ian, I want to ask you a question before we move on to 35. So Billy Owens at 36, Hakeem Warwick at 37. Uh, they were they kind of share the same type of accolades. They were all Americans. They were Big East players of the year. They were members of the All Big East first team, second team, whatever. Um, so if you had to choose, which do you think deserves to be higher on our SU Top 100 list, Billy Owens or Hakeem Warwick? Ooh, that's ooh, that's that's a really tough, a tough question one. because <laughs> both Owens and Warwick, besides having the stats, the accolades, you name it, they both made super clutch plays as well. Warwick, of course, the block. Billy Owens, mm-hmm. his freshman year, came into the final game of the season in front of the largest crowd in NCAA history. Number six, Syracuse. Number eight, Georgetown. Owens got fouled in the final seconds, stepped to the line, made two free throws, sent the game to overtime, and Syracuse won by six. So there the clutch factor both of these guys have it and it's in, it's insane to really compare the two because you're right Jaron they're almost exactly the same but I'm going to give it to Owens just because he won that wow. Big East player of the year in his junior season and watching the highlights I just love what I see from Owens as a complete mm-hmm. basketball player because he handled the ball with grace and that's not something that Hakeem Warwick did that much of Right. I mean, I don't think he was really asked to do that that much, especially in 2003 when you have uh, a lot of, you have Jerry McNamara, you have Carmelo, you have all of those other ball handlers that he doesn't really need to. Um, 
and we'll move on, but let me I, let me just toss my opinion out there. I think Hakeem Warwick should, I mean, again, it's one spot. It's not that big of a deal, but Hakeem Warwick, I think they're very comparable uh, stats. They're also very comparable accolades. And then when I have to think about it, I think it also comes down to a play kind of like what you were talking about. You give the nod to Billy Owens. I think I give the nod just because that block got Syracuse their one and only national championship. So I would put Hakeem Warwick at 36 um, and then Billy Owens at 37. But again, it's it's pretty much the same thing. Oh, valid arguments for both players. I certainly agree. And so at 35, uh, we've talked about offensive linemen a little bit, and this time we're moving to the backfield. Joe Morris comes in at 35, played from 1978 to 1981. Not great years in Syracuse football history, but Joe Morris certainly left his mark on the Syracuse program, leaving SU ranked first in rushing yards, 4,299 yards per game, over 100 carries 813 and 100 yard games 22 of those for joe morris and he went on to play an illustrious nfl career with the new york football giants so the thing with joe morris is that he was an outstanding individual player and a Nothing taken away. I mean, if you beat out Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, and Floyd Little for all of those stats, like you're obviously a really talented player. The thing with him and that that kind of holds him back on this list is that his team didn't win that much. The Orange went 19, 25, and 1 in his four years at on the Hill. And personally, when I was ranking my SU Top 100, I took into account the team success while you're on there because you can be an outstanding player like let's put it in a in a uh, recent reference like Elijah Hughes but your team could stink they could be really bad and I think that hurts your resume and you and when you look at at least this year's uh, awards Elijah Hughes at least in my opinion and again I know this is getting away from Joe Morris Elijah Hughes was the best player in the ACC however he didn't win the uh, the player of the year in the conference because Syracuse was bad and that holds your resume back. So Joe, Joe Morris deserves to be 35, probably could be in the top 25, and you could easily uh, say that that is correct. Um, but I under I do understand why he's knocked down a little bit just because team success does matter. Yeah, it's an absolute shame that Morris isn't ranked higher. And it's honestly, it's really on the defense because the four years that Morris uh, was at SU, Syracuse outrushed the opposing teams. But the SU defense just, yeah, of course. But the Orange defense just could not hold up in the pass game. And, you know, that left a big stain on Joe Morris's career. There's no other way to put it. You've explained it extremely well. But the individual Mm -hmm. accolades certainly help him out a ton yeah, I would support moving him up higher. May I would say probably 25 to 29, somewhere in there. But the professional career certainly helps as well. He holds a 19 New York Giants franchise records. I'm sure Saquon Barkley might have something to say about a few of those later on. But as of right now, Joe Morris has made his mark in both uh, central New York and down in New Jersey. Yeah. So coming in at 34, let's move down our list. Ronnie Sykley, uh, another basketball player this time. And he the thing that impr- that impresses me with Sykley is just because how immediate 
his impact was felt. It was kind of like the whole Carmelo Anthony, and we talked about it with uh, with Johnny Flynn earlier. Like, if you can score 20-plus points in your first game in, in college, that means that you're an outstanding player. And I'm not completely sure if Cycli did do that. However, all of his freshman year numbers were outstanding. He was a member of the Big East all-freshman team. Uh, he was blocking shots. He was the uh, leader in the team in rebounds. Like, he was amazing. Plus, in 1985, his sophomore year, he helped Syracuse and was an instrumental part uh, for Syracuse in one of their biggest uh, wins in the 80s when they took down number one Georgetown when Patrick Ewing was on the team. He's he's just the consummate big man. I mean, right. I don't think there's much else to say about Ronnie Cycli besides he is everything you could want from a center. I mean, maybe not in today's NBA or today's college game, but certainly in the 80s, he did everything you could want. He had great hands down low, probably one of the, well, absolutely not even probably, one of the best rebounders in Syracuse history. Right now, he's second right. in the Orange rankings with over 1,000 boards and tied for third with 319 blocks. And when you watch him play, go back and see those highlights, he was always in great position to snag a board. And, well, certainly something Syracuse could use right now. But uh, someone who was always there, ready to grab the board. And on offense, he had his post bag, and it worked. He never strayed away from what did him justice, which was, uh, you know, posting up, finding position down low and banking the ball in. And also, I wish there was a stat, or at least I wish they kept stats back in the 80s for second chance points, because I'm sure Cycli would be high up in the rankings in the Big East and probably in Syracuse history as well. That dude worked on the boards. Yeah, Ian, one of the impressive and also interesting things that uh, I've learned while I'm going through all these SU uh, Top 100 Fizz casts that you can find on our SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz is just how good and how many great big men Syracuse basketball had back in the day. And then you look to today where we're analyzing it on Orange Fizz on our website and you just have no one. You really have no one. Uh, you have Pascal Chukwu a, a couple years ago. Now you have uh, Barama Sidibe, and your future is Frank Anselm, maybe? Like, who knows about that guy? I mean, it's just, it, it's it's something to think about, and it's, uh, I'm not sure if Jim Beheim and company have kind of changed up their recruiting style and are going more guard-heavy. You see in the early 2010s that they were really guard-heavy, and they had all of those amazing point guards, shooting guards, small forwards. Uh, but back in the 80s and 90s, they had just had so many great big men. And it's definitely the Beheim. The Bayheim philosophy changing as well as basketball changing. Maybe also the loss of Mike Hopkins. Of course, he didn't recruit Ronnie Cycli, but he had a big hand in Isaiah Stewart going to Washington instead of Syracuse. So stuff like that just happens and the programs move on, but it's a shame Hop isn't yeah. around anymore to catch those big fish. But back to Cycli, I think he deserves this spot at 34. I mean, Jaron, we haven't had much to disagree about with this 40 through 31 yeah. ranking system so far, but I think these are all really solid. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I this next one I might have a little problem with, but uh, I'll, I'll hold my comments off until you give a little intro. All right, so <laughs> while, we, while Jaron prepares his little tirade, we've got <laughs> 33, Michael Benajay, one of the first transfers to come in and play for Syracuse, originally a Duke Blue Devil and transferred to Syracuse after his freshman year, but the silent G made a huge impact after he finished his year of sitting out. 
Uh, went from three points per game as a sophomore to 13 as a junior, eventually 18 as a senior, scored double figures in all 37 games in his senior year, and led that 2016 Syracuse team to the Final Four. So, Jaron, what are your opinions on Michael Benajay? <laughs> okay, so let me first say, he was a great player. And I think if you have to rank transfers, I think Benajay is at the top of the list. Uh, there are a couple other there are a couple other guys that you could make arguments for, but Michael Benajay stayed there all the way through after he transferred, and his stats improved all three years that he was with the Orange. So, when you take into account just transfers, sure, Michael Benajay should be at the top of really any list. However, I don't think, and especially when we look back at some of the guys, some specifically the basketball players that we've talked about in this Fizzcast and in previous Fizzcasts is I just don't think Michael Benajay deserves to be above Hakeem Warwick or Billy Owens. And those are just two that we talked about um, in this Fizzcast. I think he deserves to be above Johnny Flynn, but I also said that I'm not a huge Johnny Flynn guy. And then when you look back, I just think there's plenty, like Aton Thomas, he deserves to be in front of Michael Benajay. I think that was also a miss. So he was a great player, not taking anything away from that, however, I do think he's a little overrated on our SU Top 100 list. I, I could see that. Recency bias strikes again. But a, a sure. Benajay, I, I got to give Benajay credit for his game-winning shots, too. Uh, one against Gonzaga. Well, game-winning putback, I guess you'd call it, but still. And then also one against Virginia Tech, that beautiful like post-double spin. I don't even know what to call it. But that Michael Benajay never... I said Johnny Flynn always looked confident. Michael Benajay never looked like he was going to miss a shot. Every single time he pulled up, I was like, all right, this dude, this dude's going to make it. And he played yeah. with this like steely confidence that you can't, I don't know, you can't really teach that. And I'm surprised he didn't, you know, fare out. I'm surprised Coach K didn't like him at Duke. But hey, I'm not complaining. I'm happy Michael Benajay came to Syracuse and I, I was great to see him go at Duke once Syracuse joined the ACC. Yeah. But I do agree. I think he's ranked just a little high. I think I probably 40 to 45 would be certainly appropriate, but yeah, 33 just just a bit too bit too high for me. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not I don't I again, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't I'm not a big Michael Benajay guy. I think he was solid. I don't think he was anything special, especially when we've talked about some other very special guys. But let's move on to number 32, and this time we go back to the football gridiron and we go Daryl Moose Johnston. The Moose is on our list at number 32 RSU top 100 list. Now listen, he was a he was a fullback that rushed for almost 2000 career rushing yards. Like how is that even possible? When you think about if that would happen in today's game, you would just switch him. Like he's not a fullback anymore. He's a running back. So it's it's kind of crazy to look at his stats. He finished with 1,700. So he was 300 off the mark. But again, having almost 2,000 yards rushing as a fullback, absolutely crazy. Plus his teams were amazing. They went to three different bowl games and they were 33, 13, and one in his time while he was on the hill. So uh, Daryl Moose Johnson, I think he's a solid guy. I think he deserves to be on the list. And again, I again, I, I don't know why. Maybe I'm just in a good mood today, but I think 32 is a good spot for, for Johnson. Absolutely. And just like the offensive lineman, another case where the pro accolades make a heck of a difference because okay. Moose, he wasn't much of like, I guess he, he wasn't a big rusher in the pros, but 
he blocked for Emmitt Smith. And as a fullback blocking for a running back in the 90s, you are the biggest linchpin in the offense. And I went back and watched Emmitt Smith's, well, a portion of Emmitt Smith's Hall of Fame speech. And he said, Moose, you gave up so much to help me out. You gave up your heart and soul. And he, he said that being a fullback in the Cowboys system was one of the toughest things you could do as a football player. So you have to give Moose huge credit for his football scholarship, for, not for, excuse me, for his football uh, past Syracuse. And it's crazy because he was the guy that earned the last scholarship of his class in 1985. Yeah. Uh, also, something before we move on, and this was awesome. This is just a quote that you can find in our article on orangefizz.net. It's titled SU Top 100, number 32, Daryl Moose Johnston. Uh, it's at the end of the article if you want to read it. And it says, Apparently, his exploits weren't limited to on the field. Coach Mack, who was the, the head coach of Syracuse football back then, once said, quote, his mother, Ann, gave him to me, and I made a beer-drinking, woman-chasing, 2.6 student out of a class <laughs> valedictorian. That's awesome. And that's, I, I mean, I, I'm not completely sure the story behind his moose nickname. I, I assume that it's just because he was an absolute truck and he was a moose. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he just seems like an absolute dude. And coming in at 32, I am totally on board for Daryl Johnson there. Daryl Johnson sticks at 32. And our last player in this Fizz cast, ranking 42-31 in the SU Top 100, comes on the defensive side of the ball. I believe the first, yeah, the first player we've had today on an SU defense, and that is Keith Bullock at number mm -hmm. 31, one of the greatest linebackers ever to play for Syracuse from 1996 to 1999, three interceptions as a freshman, and then racking up 375 career tackles, tied for eighth in Syracuse history, and then also a great player in the pros with the Tennessee Titans. So, Jared, last but not least, Keith Bullock at 31, yes or no? No, no, uh, not not too far from 31, but not 31. Uh, he was all Big East team, second team one time, and all Big East first team one time. He was a great linebacker, but I have a, I have a very hard time giving any Syracuse linebacker credit uh, because they just don't really have that great of a history with with linebackers in the in the football defensive side of things. Um, Keith Bullock, I mean, if you have to rank the linebackers, is at the top of it. Uh, and like you said, if you want to take into account. Um, professional careers, then Bullock also gets a little more credit for his resume. However, when it comes to Syracuse, he was a, he was a sure tackler. He was an okay ball hawk player. Um, is he ranked? Is he worth the number thirty one spot? I just don't think so. Mm. I could see moving him back a few spots, but I'm not sure how far you want to move him back because. If you are giving him the title of best linebacker in Syracuse history, that does have to count for something. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe. But the, the thing is, I think that there's a lot of other, and I've said this a million times on our FizzCast so far, uh, there's just so many great athletes that have gone through the doors of Syracuse and up on the hill. So even though you're the best at your position, 
you might not be the best athlete in Syracuse history. Like think about Tiana Monacahia or Alexis Peterson or Brittany Sykes. And those are only women's basketball players. They were the best at their position. You can make an argument whether it's Tiana over Alexis. You know that Brittany Sykes is the best shooting guard in SU program history, but they were way back in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So do you, is just because he was a football player, does Keith Bullock get more credit because you kind of put more uh, weight on football players. I just don't think that that's fair. Would you be okay with flip-flopping Joe Morris at 35 and Keith Bullock at 31? You think that's fair? Sure. I mean, I think Joe Morris deserves to be a little higher. I think Keith Bullock deserves to be a little lower. So if that switches 31 to 35, that's okay. Um, I wouldn't put Joe Morris any higher, but I would put Keith Bullock lower than 35. I could certainly see that as well. Bullock went on to play with the Titans, Giants, and retired after the 2011 season. So an illustrious pro career for Keith Bullock and a pretty decent Syracuse career as well, I'd have to say. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our FizzCast here by Jaron May and Ian Unsworth. Ian, let's go through the list one more quick time before we wrap up. Johnny Flynn at 40, Justin Pugh at 39, Jim Ringo at 38, Hakeem Warwick with the big block at 37, Billy Owens, another men's basketball player, comes in at 36, Joe Morris, like we talked about, the leading rusher in SU football history at 35, Ronnie Sykley at 34, Michael Benege, where I don't agree, comes in at 33, Daryl Moose Johnston at 32, and Keith Bullock at 31. So that's going to do it for this FizzCast of the SU Top 100. Go follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Read all of our articles on orangefizz.net and follow and follow along all of our audio content on SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz. We're going to have a lot more FizzCast, Fizz Radios, and everything else breaking down our SU Top 100 list for the next couple weeks. So make sure you tune in for all of that. But for Ian Unsworth and Jaron May, we're signing off. We'll see you next time.